1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal. Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Hello and welcome to the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. Uh, Yes, the Wolf 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter. And please like us on YouTube, subscribe to Spotify, rate us and all that jazz. Thank you very much. Dan Bayliss is here. Hello. Um, Bayliss, which episode number is the best one to go to the dentist? Uh, 230. It is 230. There we go. Harry thought I forgot. Um, right. Well, we are back for a brand new season. It looks incredibly exciting, doesn't it? Um, Harry, let's start with... <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the manager, firstly. I think last time out, we were sort of thinking that Lopetegui may leave. There was the slimmest of chances that he may stay. He came out and said that he was going to stay and see the project through for as long as the board sees fit or if things change again. But how much of a big signing and reassurance was him saying that he was going to stay? Well, at the time, I was absolutely buzzing because, as you mentioned, when we lasted a podcast, it looked like he was going to be leaving because of all the issues of him being promised a certain amount of backing in the transfer window and as we now know he's not really getting that 
So it was a big boost because he is a world-class manager, although he is annoying me a bit, which we'll probably get onto with how doom and gloom he's being. Um, I know that splits opinions with, with the fans. Is it nice he's being honest? Is it should he just concentrate on the team and try and do the best he can? But yeah, mate, having Lopetegui is a much, much better thing for Wolves as a club than not having him. So I was absolutely buzzing that he decided to stay on. Dan, are you buzzing too? Uh, yeah, I thought it was the right thing, obviously. He, he got us right out of a mess. He actually made the team come together and win some really important games. Um, that optimism's probably faded over the last few weeks, um, given what's been sort of said on the range of different media outlets. Um, the bookies have got him as absolute odds-on favourite for the next manager to leave his post, 13-8, to 8, um, which is terrifying, right? If he walks, it means that everything he was promised a couple of months ago, not even like a year ago, a couple of months ago, Clearly, absolute nonsense. Um, we're going to get onto FFP, obviously, but it's just terrifying, right? Like the poor bloke was obviously sold the world, told he could do what he wanted within the club. Now it's pretty evident that he doesn't get to run the transfers. He hasn't picked his own team. He hasn't had any control over incomings or outgoings as yet. Um, it's a, it's a bit like supermarket sweep in reverse, isn't it? Like, yeah, you're grabbing everything, going, yeah, you can have whatever you want and put that back. No, no, put that back. So shopping with your mum. Harry, you did that interview with uh, Gillen Balag, uh, very well-respected journalist on the continent. Um, there was, first of all, that podcast was terrible audio quality and he saw his microphones out. But like you say, it was very doom and gloom. I don't know whether there's a little bit of a language barrier thing, um, just getting to know the language getting to grips with what you exactly what you should and shouldn't say because it is dissected by people like us and, and people in the proper media as well. Um, is that is that the kind of interview that he should be doing? Um, it was strange, wasn't it? Because obviously we haven't heard much. But first of all, it's one of the most boring interviews I've ever watched. Like I was nearly falling asleep watching it, and we didn't learn too much. The only few things that come out of it that we didn't already know that he'd said in like public press conferences was that he had no control at all over outgoings and incomings, which that surprised me. It really did. So he had no idea Raul was leaving, because I think he recorded the interview for the day after Raul had gone to Fulham. And also he mentioned about the club having a plan A, a plan B, and both of those had failed in terms of recruitment. So they were the only couple of things to come out of it. The guy who did the interview, he must have a good relationship with Lopetegui, and I'm assuming Lopetegui was just doing him a favour. And it was bizarre timing. I doubt Jeff Sheikh and whoever were happy he did it but let's be honest the the relationship between Jeff Shee and uh, Lopetegui probably isn't the best at the moment anyway because they're probably against each other really aren't they because Lopetegui's been promised stuff and he's not getting it but bizarre timing people were like panicking when it was uh, being previewed and he was like hyping up wasn't he that journalist as if something mad was going to be said but a bit of a damp squid interview and I was very very bored to be honest watching it Bayliss, I take it you were the same. It was a very, very dour interview with not really much to say and anything that was said had sort of been said before and uh, maybe a little bit more. I think the Rao thing probably took everybody by surprise a little bit. Yeah, I think it. all it really highlights to us is how little control the manager's got. Um, and that's really the clucks to take from it. Otherwise, it was a pretty nothing general interview that the bloke obviously wanted to get a few clicks out of and probably succeeded. Um that said, you can sort of you can analyse the undercurrent of what was said, and I think that's where the real worry worry lies. A manager that's content and happy is clearly got control over his players, his staff, and what's going on at the club. 
Um, it's absolutely evident that that isn't happening at Wolves right now. So, I, if he makes it to Christmas, I'll be utterly shocked. One way or another, be that through him walking and saying, well, you haven't backed me, cheers, lads, I'm off. Or de- dealing as he can with what he's got, which at the moment, we don't know. There are some unknowns and then we'll talk about it further. But given that there's been a lot of exits and not a lot coming in, we're a couple of injuries away from being in a mess. Um, and then if he's on a few points, they can sack him and not have to pay him anything. So, or one or the other. I don't know. Let's see. Um, with Lopetegui staying, uh, a gem finally left us, Harry, and we probably had him for 12 months longer than we should have done, which is Ruben Neves. Um, <laughs> incredible money for somebody in the last year of their mm-hmm. contract, although the way the Saudi clubs are going around about it now, it, it seems like um, part of the course, but £47 million for Ruben Neves. I'm so glad that, that Barcelona didn't stump up any cash because... You know, I think his heart was on Barcelona last year, let alone this year. Um, but I think he's gone and created generational wealth for his family. We don't know how long he's particularly going to be there. He may be back in the Premier League sooner than we think. But um, a fantastic servant to the club. Oh, absolutely incredible servant. And as as I mentioned last time we did the podcast, I think we all thought he was going to Barcelona, um, even in his uh, reveal video for his move to Saudi. As someone who forgot to edit out Welcome to Barcelona, which I found funny, but incredible deal for us. Like massive money, not what we, about 17 million more than we expected to get with him having one year left in his deal. A lot of Wolves fans a bit confused because obviously they thought he wanted Champions League football and obviously this is not it. But as you mentioned, loads of money, ridiculous wages and Good, good deal for all parties, really. Um, and at the time, I thought this was going to kick us on to have an incredible transfer window. And I was getting very excited because I thought Lopetegui would be getting those funds to use to improve the squad. But as we know, <laughs> that's not the way it's turned out. But yeah, emotional that he left. A highlight uh, memory, Dan, for Neves? Oh, there's lots, isn't there? Jesus. You could go on all day, but I think it's just the way the way he came into Wolves at the situation we were in and how he took a club that was sort of optimistic and had a future and gave it that future the time he was here. Um, I'm slightly more, a little more disappointed in the terms on what he left on. Um, I get going on to f- progress for your career and doing it because you are a better player and he was and he is. Fantastic talent. He could be playing top, top level European football. I think it's pretty sellout to go over to Saudi Arabia and he will never be remembered again now which is really sad for him I would yes it's millions and millions and millions of pounds but he's already going to be a multi-millionaire wherever he went anyway and he will be a multi-millionaire when he retires as long as he doesn't gamble it or spend it on nonsense the thing is so, he's not in bad company though is he let's face it I mean the the Saudi league is is incredibly is getting inside momentum. Is it though? Is it? Do you do you think it's going to be similar to the what the Chinese league was? The league is. I think they're here to stay. I do. They've got endless amounts of money. I think it's going to grow and grow and grow, and they're going to get all the best players of the next five are you, years. Are you going to t- tune in at nine o'clock on a Saturday night to watch Al Halil play? Fuck knows who. Because I'm not. I'd rather watch Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo. I'd rather watch Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo than watch Luton v Burnley. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, everybody going, oh, the, you know, the Premier League's so good and he's built it up over 30 years and stuff. But you remember how good uh, the Serie A was in the 1990s, you know, because they were splashing the cash, they had the money, they had the rights. 
um, very, very strong league. And and yeah, there's a, a little bit of um, sort of momentum that's been built over the last three decades. But, you know, money talks and it, we've always said it's a results-based business. But I think at the end of the day, it is who's got the biggest check. You know, I, I agree. The last four out of the five Premier Leagues. Man yeah, yeah. And I agree totally that money creates the spectacle, right? Money creates the spectacle that is the top of the sport and getting the best players. And that's going to do that. But you also need some feeling and something more than just the money that sells. You can't buy history. It's, you can't it's buy failing. History. It's failing in other sports, right? I, I agree. I do agree. But, but, and I must say that having watched an NFL game with 90,000 people screaming at, I, I don't know what. And, and for the record, I have seen every single American sport now and it's by far the worst. Just because, you know, there was, I think there was 15 seconds left on the clock. It took 12 minutes to play it. But the, the stadium was full, 90,000 people, everyone going absolutely mental, complete cash cow for the owners. And I think that American model is just something that, but it's different, you know, right? You do, you do lose the culture. And, you know, we saw through COVID that having no fans, you know, made a huge difference. But there's a difference between having no fans and having sort of legacy fans. But I disagree slightly, right? That's America's sport, right? It was grown, it was, it, was formed in America. That is America's sport. That's why everyone in America watches it and it is popular around the world. But no one else plays People dip, dip in and out, right? You mm-hmm. know, mates that like watching the NFL and they're all a bit weird. Um, Virgins. Pro- they, have, they haven't had full sexual intercourse again. <laughs> um, and, and same with like the IPL in cricket, right? That's done mm-hmm. really well because India is a hotbed of cricket and it's brilliant because the fans love it. What essentially you're going to see here is some very wealthy oil merchants sit in a stadium and watch some superstars. There's no feeling to it. There's no love of the game. There's no passion for it. It's just going to be a load of people sat in a stadium. None of us are going to be interested in it. Can you name any of the other teams? Can you? How many are in Al-Halal? Well, that's that's oh, where Al-Halal is. That's where I saw Al-Ali. It's, I think. Honestly, I give it... It'll happen like the China thing, right? Where a few big stars have gone there. After yeah. a few years, they'll realise they are no longer household names. They're completely irrelevant, and it'll. I don't, I don't mind like like Henderson. Maybe I say Benson. I know he's thirty five, but he's still in his pomp, and he like he's still flying. But I don't mind people at the end of their career going over to get a bit of money. But like Neves, um, is there any other players that are like in their mid like twenties that have gone over? But I don't really like that. But I can understand the Neves one because he said it's generational wealth as you mentioned but it's a tough one but it could become an amazing Harry, we don't know it's it's the MLS without the funny chance yes. I mean unless they start singing I believe we'll stun them to death it's not really worth watching <laughs> and don't even get me started on the sports washing because that is the worst bit about all of it I mean Jordan Henderson absolute hypocrite right yeah, how can you go and align yourself and support a charity for all the years you claimed it and then go there. That's the biggest disgrace. Ignore the money and the, the sport itself or the fans or the love of it or whether it's football. It's the just repugnant nature of the sports watching that is now going to, you know, we're talking about the football and the money here. But that's the real conversational point. There's a good comment on here, um, Stuart and Wolf, in terms of the SPL, uh, which is the Saudi Premier League rather than the Scottish one. Uh, they'll bank on younger fans who follow players rather than teams. Now, I think now yeah. that... That has become more of a thing now, I think, is people go, oh, well, I like Man City because I really liked um, David Silva. Or, uh, you know, and, and they follow follow them. Obviously, Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo, prime example. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's been going for a long time. Well. David Beckham, 
when when he went to Madrid would have taken a, a big following for for Brand Beckham with him. Um, but you know, we st- we talk about money, and it's we'll be talking about ticket prices for uh, Wolves games later. And and the argument that we always have for not putting up prices or a reason to be angry at putting up prices that we go, wow, the real fans aren't going to be there, you know. And and what's the difference between that argument and the Saudi one? Because I can't see one. Because you go, well, you're pricing the real fans out of the game. We've been doing that for 30 years since the Premier League started. But now... You're the fans. But th- but that's the difference, isn't it? Because we're saying, oh, well, these these real fans, which are getting priced out of the game, I don't know who they are. There'll be people that can't afford to go and there'll be people that can afford to go. But we will always say that, you know, we're pricing people out of the market. We're going to end up with loads of tourists who are willing to pay the money once every time they visit the country. I don't understand what the difference is between putting prices up at Molyneux and it being a problem because you're pricing the real fans out and there not being a culture that's been built up over generations in the Saudi League. We've got that anyway, right? The whole pricing out is in different worlds to what's happening with the Saudi Premier No, but the point is that in both scenarios, you've lost your real fans. I don't think you... You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? I don't think you have. I I mean... all of these big stadiums I've been to, like, regardless in whatever end I've been in, like Tottenham is a massive tourist stadium, right? Seen it firsthand. But there is still a hardcore fan base. It is still massive majority actual fans of the game. The problem we've now got is that all the tourist fans used to just go to one club and now they go to quite a few. Um, which might actually probably help real fans, right? If there are, Say there's 30 teams that become decent sides and ends up being the Premier League's very competitive and to fight to go up and down and all that sort of jazz it'll probably mean the tourists have got more choice so they'll dot themselves about and it'll help proper fans um, the problem is is how it mm. tears the league you can um, you can slag off the Saudis all you like but they've helped us so much with this FFP with that transfer deal so I'm all for it I mean, the one is where we get we, we look back at ten years with the decimated league uh, and go. Yeah, oh, why, why did we do that? The real point I was, I was waiting for Sam to call me out on was saying, "What would you do if a Saudi tried to buy?" Oh. Well, well, what would you do? I mean, to be honest, we're owned by the Chinese. So, I mean, we, we we haven't got much room for it. Love it. It's difficult, right? It's really difficult situation. Yeah, it is. We are owned by a private company, not a state-backed entity. Quite. Um, mm-hmm. Quite. Not really. Well, they are all communists, aren't they? So, I mean. Do you think the Newcastle? Do you think the Newcastle fans are arsed anymore? They don't give a shit anymore. What's weird is it because was it? Norma um, True Faith podcast, who I don't think he does it anymore, said he was you know genuinely torn because he, he wants to go and watch his team, but I don't think he could quite align himself with what the PIF was about. So well, that links with um, Newcastle links with Al Halal because they're like partner mm. clubs aren't they so Nevis could potentially go on loan to Newcastle or something if they want I didn't so happen. there's another issue with all that stuff but yeah should we talk about other outgoings because we haven't just had Nevis yeah so there have been quite a, a lot few. <laughs> um, <laughs> ones we've got no money for would be um, Diego Costa Moutinho Dama who I believe has been offered a place at, at Villa that's who I saw today uh, seems to be doing the rounds um, yeah, I'm not sure how much substance there is in that one, um, but it makes sense. If he lives in the area, he needs to train, he needs to keep fit, potential. It's it's a no-brainer probably for Villa, isn't it, Harry? I mean, we know what he's all about, but he's been there before. 
Well, I'm really shocked that I've not, I haven't heard that yet. In, I thought Traore would end up in Saudi just because I think he just thinks he deserves so much money, which is why he never signed a contract with us because he wanted too much. Um, I think AC, Napoli have tried to get him, AC Milan, and obviously the deals have fell through, which I think is because he probably wants massive wages because, as I mentioned, he's got really high opinion of his own ability, which, you know, on his day, he can be very good. So I'd be shocked if he went to Villa unless they pay him huge you, money. I was going to say, shocked. Do you think the the money thing for Adama Dan is is more that he wants to be the highest paid player at a club? And I mean, if he goes to Saudi, then he'll be earning a very lot of money. Um, but maybe not side to it. You know, he hasn't got the yeah. Well, he has got the X factor, hasn't he? but he's he's not as recognisable as maybe some of the bigger European transfers. I think maybe he overestimates his own quality, and there's nothing particularly wrong with that, right? You've got to back yourself in professional sport to to get to yeah. as far as possibly can, and then he wants to move on. You'd re-sign it though, wouldn't you, Bayless? Let's be honest. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you'd be a bad move. Villa's not a bad move for him. Villa are a team on the up with a great manager that are spending money on top quality players. All right, Harry, we don't want to talk about Villa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Giles has made a move to Luton um, in the region of sort of five million pounds for for him there. Uh, the big move, really, for for a fairly decent money Harry is, is Nathan Collins but I want to go on to Dan because Dan was always saying what a great player Nathan Collins was I just want to know why it didn't work out it's a shame isn't it he just yeah. flopped it's yeah. a real shame I, I watched him play the season before I thought he was fantastic but he flopped playing for Wolves he big solid bloke at the back young you'd have thought he'd turn into a decent player and he just never really had it for Wolves I don't know I'm interested to see how he gets on this year going forward Harry, thoughts on Collins? You know, he came in with, I know that it was a fairly underwhelming transfer window last year at the point in which he signed. So we probably looked at him a little bit differently because he was the only one that we could look at that was new and fresh and potentially exciting. Mm, I'm I'm shocked how it went, really. I thought he was going to be really, really good. Obviously, he struggled first half of the season, got dropped when Dawson came in. I think the likes of Matt Hobbs and even Jeff Shee wanted to keep him, but I think it was Lopetegui. Although in his interview he said he has no say on outgoings and ingoings, but that was the rumor mill that Hobbs wanted to keep him because he's young, got potential. But with the FFP situation as well, it was kind of like, look, we need money. We're going to get a little bit of profit on him. He has underperformed, which he has. Let's be honest, he had a few howling howlers, uh, especially towards the end as well when you give him another chance. So, yeah, shocked. I personally would have wanted to see him stay uh, if FFP wasn't an issue because we just need defenders for a start and. I think he's going to go on to have a fantastic career. I just think he's so young and raw. He's going to make mistakes, but once it clicks and he gets a bit older, he'll be a monster. He's got all the ability. Well, this is what does make sense to me, Dan, is that you know you get a £35 million bid from Napoli for Max Kilman, who's, what, 26, 27. Arguably, you would say they're on a par. I would probably put Nathan Collins as a, as a better defender, although still quite raw because of his age. Does it not make sense that if, if Matt Hobbs wants to keep him because he's got more potential, sell Max Kilman for £12 million more, £12 million quid more off FFP, and you've still got the same amount of defenders? Yeah, it's an interesting one, really. I, I think something must have happened with that transfer for it not to have gone through, given what I, given my current opinion on Fosun and their, where they are. Um, it's a really weird one that that hasn't gone through. Unless unless he's the sort of player where they're still paying him peanuts. Unless he's still on 20, 30 grand a week and not on the 80, 90, 100 grand a week. And that's why they want to keep him. Um, that's the only reason I can see. 
It's a good chunk off the wage bill, isn't it, with Matinho in there as well, Harry? I, w- I imagine De- Diego Costa would have been on a, a fairly hefty whack as well. Um, obviously, Raul Jimenez goes. The king is dead. Long live the king. You know, I, I think he was world class really um, before that injury, that horrific injury, uh, and it was never the same again. I think Fulham's bid for ev- took everyone by surprise, didn't they? I mean, it, no, nobody saw that coming at all. If you'd have told me that Raul Jimenez was going to move to a Premier League club, like when we last did the podcast, I'd have been, I'd have laughed at you. I mean, it's a bit of a risk from Fulham, but obviously it's a, a cheap little punt, isn't it? Five and a half million. Um, I think they're losing Mitrovic, aren't they? So. Knowing our luck, the way it's going for Wolves at the moment, he's going to have an absolute blinder. I can't see it, but just the way it's going for us at the moment, he'll end up bagging like 18 goals for us or something and we'll no, shoot ourselves in the foot. But what a move for him. I'm happy for him because I'm sure he wants to try and prove himself again. But let's be honest, we've watched him play. He, he is finished. But yes. No, he's Mexican. Um, Pedence potentially <laughs> going to leave. He's unfollowed him. Uh, unfollowed Wolves on, I think, Instagram. Uh Potentially Besiktas, I think, was was mooted as a potential destination. Do you think that is a, a right move for, for Wolves and potentially him too? Um, Pedence is a weird one because, as we've mentioned, he's the most frustrating player in the world. But I think we need players like him still. But Blair. I think that relationship... Blair. Yeah, we need... To, and positions. Like how many have we got left in those positions now? Everyone's gone. Um, oh, we've got Neto, Wang, Sarabia... It'd be nice to have him, but I think the relationship between him and Lopetegui also broke down. We should, we remember all the Instagram stuff last year, and I don't mind if he goes as long as we get a half-decent fee, to be honest. I mean, it's just mad that we are we are down to the bare bones, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we really yeah. are. I mean, I, let's have a look. I mean, you, you know, we've got, we got about 19 goalkeepers. Um, obviously, Tom King came in on a free, so then we've got Bentley, Saar, and Sharkic because um, his move to Stoke fell through. Matt Doherty came in on a free. Um, I think Harry... Legend. It's, it's, he's a legend. I always say never go back, so I'm not really expecting great things. But a free transfer, it's not bad, is it? I think it's a great deal. It is. Um, I mean, Bayless, you've been banging on about Samedo's never replaced Doherty, so you've got your wish now. He's back. Would you start Doherty over Samedo? That's the question. I still have that opinion of never go back. That's my that's my one. But it's, don't you think it's a... I know he's 30, is he 32 now, Doherty? So he's not yeah. past it, past it. A free transfer. He knows the club. Obviously, he was okay at Tottenham. Wasn't the best. Didn't do enough at Atletico Madrid. But he's great cover. But from looking at his quotes when he signed and watching his interview and that, he's talking like he thinks he's got to start. And I know in the preseason friendlies, which we'll talk about, he's been coming on off the bench. And funnily enough, he actually improved <laughs> improved us quite a bit when he came on against Celtic. So I think this is going to work out okay. Although, did you see his interview after the Celtic game? Very harsh. He was like, quite honest yeah. about about what was going on behind the scenes. So, like, he was like on the Lopetegui sort of uh, mood, talking about what's going on behind the scenes. So it's weird, isn't it? Like, that... It always it, it it tears at your heart, plays at your heartstrings a little bit when they've got the promotion picture of of obviously mm. that promotion side lifting the championship trophy, and obviously everyone had gone, but then Doherty came back. So you just like scribble out the the black and white where they got rid of him. Uh, but Connor Cody, Connor Cody leaves as well. Connor Cody's gone. Harry, um, you had him working in the ticket office this season, and uh, he's moved to Leicester. Looks like a decent amount of money. Eight, was it eight and seven and a half, eight and a half million pounds? And Everton didn't want to take up the option. They could have bought him and sold him on straight away. It was a four million pound buyout. Uh, bizarre from Everton, but do you know what? I thought he was going to stay, Cody. I thought he, like Lopetegui is going to give him another shot. You know, new manager, fresh start. I know we play four at the back, 
Mm. Yeah, he obviously wants he wants the back three, but it's a good move for him. I know he's dropped down a league, but it is a very good move for him towards the end of his career. And he'd already said he's big goodbye when he went to Everton, hadn't he? And I suppose yeah. with what had gone on while he was at Everton with his the family and that, and he fell out with Bruno Large to be things like that. So not shocked it happened, but if you'd have put a gun to my head and said, is Cody going to stay like just after the season finished? I thought he was going to come back to us and, and, and start. But what a servant, you know, but good yeah. luck to him. I mean, he'd been a bit harsh there, Harry. He's only 30. I mean, yeah, end of his career. <laughs> I've probably got a couple of yeah. years left. You've got, well, I think what it is, watching him for the last four years, the way he, right, yeah. I thought he was in the early space already. Can we pick the bones out the last sort of five minutes? Because I think we've missed something really important. Go on, this is the man- really big outgoing. No, no, no. Because no. the manager's had a dig, right? Mm. Doherty clearly had a little bit of a dig and he's played one game. So, do you sort of see that the players and the staff are going to side themselves with the fans here? Because if it turns sour and we don't start well, it's going to become us versus it, the ownership it, board. Bayless, it actually feels like that already, I think. I think it it actually feels like to me now, it's like the manager, the players and the fans versus Jeff Sheehan Foster. That's what it feels like at the moment to me. I think the players and the fans are on the same same like wavelength and they just want Jeff and Foster to sort it out and back the manager. Well, I'm, so, I'm going yeah. to say that I'm on the I'm on Foster's side of all this because every single transfer window we go, Foster out, they're not doing anything. Last year, they pulled out all the stops. They spent a lot of money on a load of shit and, and that's it. We talk about this transfer window, what, 45 million for Cunha? Uh, pushing maybe nine million pounds for uh, Traore, you know it's not like we haven't spent anything in this window. It's just been very, very poor. I don't think it? those were Lopetegui's picks, though, were they? That's the problem. No, well, they January spent though. the money, haven't they? That's, that's... Oh, they spent the money, it, but they're oh, probably they're ill-advised. Sam, I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back on you a bit though, because look, what did what did they promise us at the beginning? What well, just as the season finished, they said, look, obviously. We spent a lot of money last year, but they said we're going to sign a few players on between eight and fifteen million budget. We've literally brought in one free transfer, so they've gone against that already. So that you can't, you know, you've got to, you got to, you got to call them out for that because und- I understand they spent so much money last year. Collins, obviously, then the Cunha, Nunes, it was so much money and a lot of flops. Let's be honest, and it seemed Guedes the ultimate flop. So they're not going to want to do that again, and they can't afford to. But don't say, oh, we're going to give you this little budget of eight to 15 million, probably four or five players. Lopetegui's thinking, all right, then I'll do that. And then nothing's happened. We have spent a penny. Harry, it looks like they're prepared to sell, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. But I don't know a lot. Um, In reduced, I did. I would have agreed with you. I would have agreed with you, but I have been listening. I listened to the Express and Star podcast. Look, whether they're reliable or not, they seem to think they've got sources that are reliable. According to Liam Keane, who we all agree is a really good journalist, oh, you know, he's decent at what he does. He has got good word that they are not willing to sell. Like, they're not. They're just really struggling with the FFP stuff. They don't want to keep putting their hand in their pocket because at the end of the day, they are an investment firm, aren't they? They can't keep throwing money at it and losing, losing, and losing. Okay. So they're just trying to be very careful of what it was. Their investment's going to have in value over the next 12 months if they don't sort it out. I think they were just very naive. I think they were just very naive coming into it that they thought they could make it a massive profitable thing. Whereas we know with football it can't be. But then they've tried all this esports stuff. They've tried making record labels, and it hasn't worked out the way they thought. I know COVID 
really didn't help. And I, I messaged you, I didn't know, talking to Leon Keane, he broke it down so well. He said there's a three-year window, and in the three years, there's a club in the Premier League can't lose more than £105 million, I think it is. That's right. Year one, we lost 40-odd million. Year two, we're projected to lose between 60 and 80. And obviously, we've got year three coming up. So we've got to make a profit this year. We've got to, as we're going to get struck like Everton and Man City. Although, saying that, what has happened to Massive point deduction. Exactly. exactly. So why not risk it? Everton have had nothing to them. Man City have had nothing to them. So it's kind of one there. The difference is that if you if you write a check or and you keep topping up the money, then then there really is no problem. The problem for Wolves is that folks can go no more uh, and are doing it properly, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, playing by the rules rather than sort of tricky accountancy. But they, you, you need the backer. And if the backer isn't backing you, then FFP comes into play. If it's Man City and you go, well, here's a check for five million quid and then we pump in another however much you want and we keep going, the model what works. What do you think their big idea was then? Because obviously they're, they're an investment company, as we've all said. So they want to make some money out of the brand. So their asset value they can increase because they bought it for near bugger all in the grand scheme of things. And by us getting into Premier League, getting up the table, getting more fans, increase the value of the brand. So you've got an asset that's worth more. Agreed. To, to offset the revenue that they've got to spend on players and actually running a football club, which is hundreds of millions, mm-hmm. what was their plan to offset that to not be at a loss? Because like, Unless it was, we grow the brand in China and we make as many Chinese fans as possible and sell our products as a branded item across China. I can't see any other reason that, that the, it's... That the got. problem the problem with investments is that they can go up or down. And I think they looked at how well we'd done in that in those first, you know, let's face it, two seasons and, and realistically three, if Raul had scored that penalty against Sevilla, who knows what could have happened. I think they looked at that and went, well, that's a piece of piss. Oh, getting into Europe. Oh, and an FA Cup semi-final. That's a piece of piss as well. Oh, God, we'd have to spend loads and loads and loads of money. And then Jota goes, Fabio Silva, Samada comes in. For me, poor business in terms of the transfer fees paid. Not that they're bad players. I'll be judging Fabio Silva at the end of this season, by the way. But once, when, when they saw how easy it when they saw when they saw how easy it was, they think, okay, well, that's Europa League next year. That's going to bring in that amount. But they still have to keep spending the money, right? Well, no, I, I agree. No, I agree. How, and they they just think that. Bayless, think back to one of Jeff Shee's first interviews when he came up with that classic line, within five years, we're going to be trying to compete with Man City. They were very naive in what was that, what was going to come ahead. And like you said, Bayless, they, we got really lucky at the beginning. Our transfer windows were perfect. They did a great job. They got Nuno in. We flew into the Premier League, two sevenths back to black, as you mentioned, Europa League and that. And then when it started going a bit tits up and some of our signings were a bit unlucky, relying on Mendes a bit too much, they thought, oh, shit, this is not as easy as we thought, as you've mentioned. And Jeff Sheep definitely has made some mad decisions. And I think a lot of them have been because, as you mentioned, he had such a good start, he got a bit too cocky and confident. And in reality, he knew about as much about football as I know about netball when he first came in. So... You know, it's one of them. I you've got to have some bad decisions. On. You can't be perfect in football. You've got to make mistakes, and they've made a lot they, lately. They have relied on the wrong people in places. It's evident, right? We've got a bloke that is essentially a nightclub owner that is, was in it for the cash. He was. He wasn't. Of course, he's in it for the cash. Right? What's he in it for the love of the game? No, no, he's he was just. He, he was like a, he was like a, a crack dealer, right? You sell them the really good stuff first to get them addicted, and then you offload. the what was I saying on the group? It's um, it's literally the scheme from the Wolf of Wall Street. Do you remember the scheme when he tells about how he's going to sell the stocks? 
You check, oh, okay. Like, then the Disney, AT&T, the blue chip, and then you offload the dog shit. When they're addicted, you offload. Well, I think I think after the Guedes thing, I think that they they, they public come out, didn't they? And they said we're not going to rely on Mendes as much. I think after the Guedes one, they were like sod this. He did, he did like you said, we had some really good stuff from him, but he's started to be worse for us than good now. Mendes, there's no doubt he's been incredible for us, especially early on. But now they have openly gone away from using him, which I think is the right decision. But it took a bit too long. And you've got to say we back the manager. You're the football people. You're the experts in this. But they, they were back last year. And I know it wasn't long mm-hmm. to take. Well, they tried to. I know, I know it was a different manager, but, you know, the January signings, Cunha was kept just done. Kept us Lamina and Dawson kept us up. So they Dawson, incredible. Up. So it just shows it can be done. You can How do we going. do that again this year? Do you think with the current squad, if nothing else came in, do we stay up? I this is right. I know you I know you completely disagree with me, Bayless, but looking at the squad now, I know we're very in centre back we're sure. We definitely need another midfielder, probably another striker, depending on after Fabio, maybe another wing. But if we get really, really lucky with injuries, I think our starting eleven, after watching those friends, very shaky in points, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. I, I I think we've got a good enough team right now to stay up. But add four or five decent players, we could be pushing top half, I think. But if you look at Doherty Semedo, two two positions covered up with yeah. players of Premier League experience. Why there as well? You got you got uh, yeah, you got eight Bueno. Three. You've got eight Nori. There's Toti, Kilman, Johnny. Uh, obviously, Dawson in there is obviously a starter for me, and I, I think probably captain material to be honest. Um, you got Lamina, Traore, Nunes, Gomez, Joe Hodge. Looks like he he could potentially do things next season. And then the wingers, you, wingers in up front: Pedro Neto, Cunha, Huang, Sasha Kalajic, Sarabia. Silver, you know. I think we've got a good enough team to stay up. It's the injuries that worry. I, like, I think we, value. if we stay up, it will it will be because the three teams that go down are rubbish. Yeah. Rather than us staying up on what you would want to be merit. I could. I think Luton, Luton shouldn't shouldn't do anything. Um, Sheffield United shouldn't particularly do anything. Um, listen, right. Apart from Neves, if people we've sold, who were any of them starters? No. Were any of them in the starting yeah. eleven towards the end of the year? No. They're Adama, all on the bench. Adama's Adama did do on and off. On and off, wasn't he? He was an impact player. He started I'm agreeing here, right? I don't think we'll go down just purely on the basis of look at the teams that are in that league. Bournemouth and Forest. Palace have been awful and Zahar's gone. Sheffield United haven't really bought anyone. Luton surely can't do the miracle right. They shouldn't even be in the league. Everton no, the, ground, the ground the ground's a disgrace. Brentford were sliding away towards the end of last year and Fulham haven't recruited overly well and Mitrovic has buggered off. There's 20 goals they're not getting. So, so just to try and be a bit more slightly positive as well, just from watching those friends, I know it's a little small sample size, but I generally think Cunha, Sarabia, Nunes, I'm not going to mention anyone defence because they have looked a bit shaky, but those three, and Fabio Silva if he stays because he doesn't look like he wants to, I think they're going to have fantastic seasons. They look hungry, especially Cunha. He's like against Celtic. He's, I know he can't hit a barn door, but he was trying. He was, you know, he loves. He wants to be here. Nunes was like, looks like he's really up for it as well. Sarabia, he had his twins, didn't he? Towards the end of the year, he, like we said, he, he went missing. He had a few good performances. But I think he's got the potential to have a great season too. So going forward, I think we're okay. It's just defensively that worries me a bit. Thing is, it's not the defense; it's a problem. It's thirty-one goals in thirty-eight games, which is the problem. That's the problem. Scoring. At least goals. we have got more strikers this season. 
that is genuinely true. Right? I certainly got taller striker, strikers. Um, I, I think I think Fabio Silva. I think this is his season. I'll go on the record saying it now. He was 21, 21 two weeks ago. You forget how young he is. He's been in, you know, he's eighteen when he came. It's going to be a complete... change the game when he came on against Celtic. Sam only change the game. Him and Cudnew had a good little understanding going when they went against Celtic. I know he said he like ten minutes towards the end, but so then you can get a partnership going. And you, as you mentioned, Sasha, how many goals injury will Fabio get? I think he can oh. get fifteen goals. No, I won't get that bad. Um, I don't know. But it'd be interesting to see who plays. I know Sasha is he got, is he fully recovered? We was on about a documentary before we come on. What's have, have you watched it? Oh yeah, false false start is the documentary. I've seen a couple of clips of it. I genuinely just thought it was going to be him getting injured and then like two and a half episodes of him trying to get on a treadmill. And I I, I genuinely thought that was it because I don't know how you can make a documentary. I ever somebody doing their ACL for the second time. Mate. I watched it and it was good. It was just uh, the main bulk of it at the beginning was just about like they were just showing the footage of him signing and that and how excited he was. And what, what I found interesting about it, they went behind the scenes because all rumours weren't that Bruno forced him to play and he, he started too early and that. And he'd had a previous ACL injury, hadn't he? Which yeah. uh, was not good. But he, he just, Bruno just comes to and said, Look, do you want to play? And he said, As a person he is, he's always going to be like, Well, yeah, I'll definitely want to play. Um, so he blames himself. He doesn't blame anyone else. And it was just a freak accident. And is that not really stupid? He, yes. But genuinely, like, yeah, yeah. sat there going, Oh, we're looking after these boys. And then they've asked the lad that probably is the thickest too short playing. Mm-hmm. Not so. Well, do they, he, seems, he seems pretty switched. I mean, it was quite for the thing. Oh, me. he seems, I'll tell you what. When he was coming round from um, surgery and obviously quite high on painkillers, when he goes, you know, we've got Liverpool next, you'll never walk alone. And I, I can't even walk at the moment. But it was a great line. Except for me. Funny person, good to have around the dressing room. What I will say is he is such a nice bloke. Like, I really wanted to do well because he's one of, the, yeah. one of the nicest footballers you'll ever see when you're watching him in interviews and that. So I hope he's a different player that we haven't had for ages as well. He's like a big beanstalk, obviously, can get up in the air. And... Um, I listened to the Express of Star the other day as well, and Liam Keane was saying he watched the behind closed doors friendly against like Man City's under twenty threes and Kladzic yeah. up front for us. And he said, obviously, he's under twenty threes friendly, whatever. But he said he looked really good, like holding the ball up, bringing people into play. So it's that different option, and he he doesn't know where the goal is. Like you know, his record's half decent, and we've just got to keep our fingers crossed that he can be good. Because as Bayless mentioned, at least we've actually got a few numbers of strikers in there now, and he is fully fit. Is, well, I mean, he needs game time. He needs to get, you know, yeah, he needs games, definitely. Yeah. Um, I didn't just, do we think Alex Scott will sign Harry? Because I think there's rumours <sighs> going around that Bournemouth is a potential destination. Obviously, you were taking the piss out of Bournemouth a minute ago uh, about them potentially going down. But, I mean, they're beating us transfer targets at the moment. Yeah, well, this is the mad thing because this has been a saga in itself. Um we kept, we were put about three offers in, didn't we? And it's, it's fell through, and because of FFP, it don't look like we're going to get him. Um, I think it's Lopetegui that really liked him as well. So, yeah, these, I'm, I'm fed up minutes. hearing about it. No, I'm fed up of hearing about it. To be honest, I just I just want to get him in. If we're not, we're not. Um, but he does look like a really good player. But as you say, it looks like now he's going to go to Bournemouth, which is just going to wind up the Wolves fans even more. Hey, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know why we're not playing Nunes in central midfield that just does my head in um, then we wouldn't even you shouldn't even be having to look at in this position where there's a perfectly good ball carrying midfielder there in Nunes and he's, he's not going to play there he's going to play on either on the right or the left which is just complete waste of his time 
Um, he's always on the, yeah, he's been on the right in the friendlies, hasn't he? He set up mm. Neto. I'll tell you what, just as it's come to my head, Neto, I think he might have a good season as well. I know he looked sharp in preseason last year and he had a bad season, but he's looking okay again. And hopefully, can he just get a glimpse of what he was? Please. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, there was some players, obviously, that are out of contract, so we're actually without a club. Maitland Niles is one of them, Harry, which I was quite surprised about. I mean, he has got two relegations on his CV with Albion and, and most recently Southampton, but he's got a Europa Conference League and an FA Cup as well with Arsenal. Um, obviously not Europa Conference League. I think it was like, that was a Roma. Mm. Is, is, we've been linked, was it? Were we, were we linked? We were, yeah. What, I think what, around the time Raul got... Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a no-brain. sure if they wanted it, they'd have snapped him up. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm sure if they wanted to snap him up by now, is he a left back? Uh, he can lit up from from what I read. Uh, he can literally play anywhere, um, which never thought about. I think um, full back, wing back, winger, central midfielder. Mm. Well, he, if they wanted him, they'd have got him by now, wouldn't they? Exactly. Um, is this a podcast where we do sort of like dark horse and predictions? No, we do that really sweetly. Yeah, we're winning. So. Um, I think that's that's just about it, unless we want to sort of talk about the tickets, which you sort of touched on earlier. Mm. Um, like, next week. The, well, the big one is is sixty three pounds fifty. Too much to watch a Premier League game, aren't you? Yeah, we've been going to say too much on it. It's a disgrace, isn't it? Let's be honest. I know everyone goes on about inflation and things like that, but I think it's a mm. disgrace. I know it's Category A. I know it's in the Billy Wright upper, but sixty three pound fifty for a match day ticket at Wolves makes me feel sick. Okay, and we mentioned it. They're pricing out. They're going to price out a lot of fans that have been going for years, and I think it's a disgrace for the club. I really, I've really, i got a logic to this. Hear me out. If they keep the lower price tickets lower, oh, no. but increase the price of the highest price tickets, that means the people that can afford to pay it anyway will pay it, and we're still getting a high proportion of lower price tickets in the stadium. They're not doing that yet, but I would say mm. the people that sit in the Billy Wright Upper that are paying 63.50 will pay 70 quid because they want to go. And they can clearly afford it because they're paying £63.50 anyway. Mm. If that means you can release another 1,000, say, 25 or 35 quid tickets, that's better for me. So rather than talk about the high price, we can talk about all of it. 35 to 37. So, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, they're it's not too massive increases, are they? I mean, that, it's still a lot of money to pay for a football game. However, this league is meant to be the, the best in the world and you wouldn't... You pay double that if you want to go and watch Taylor Swift. It's too much money to spend <laughs> sit on scaffolding. It's also too much money to pay True. to go and watch Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. On on scaffolding, Bayless, are you too bothered about there being a lack of paint around Molyneux? So that was all kicking off the other week. It would be nice to see them like paint it the colour it's meant to be. It looks like bad custard. Um, I've got something. The only photo I saw were of some bollards by the tunnel. Yes, that's the one I saw. I reckon that probably falls outside the club's land and it's a council issue. Do you know um, one thing they have got right this year, which I'm buzzing about? Well, I'm exaggerating. I think the home and the away kit are absolutely beautiful. I know the red one's a bit... Really? Like, I absolutely love... I like the home kit. I really like the colour of the home kit too. So I brought my uh, lad, actually, talking of price. I brought my lad the away strip with his name on the back and the Premier League badges on the side. I'm sure that was for a three-year-old. 50 quid. 60 quid. Yeah, really? if you're listening, you should wear a robber's mask and a stripey jumper. You're actually... <laughs> please. Jesus. 60 Time would be just to get the cheapest... 44 quid. Uh, 40 just a shirt. Yeah. 
That's not, it's really no, no, that's a fault. Oh, sorry. Well, it's just a kid's shirt. Come more than 25 quid, surely. Dan, I don't think yeah, you fit into one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you put it on your finger. Well, a new goalkeeping coach. That's the only other thing, isn't it? That's it, oh, isn't it? Yes. Uh, a, a different cutler fish. That was uh, Neil Cutler joining from uh, Aston Villa of Lacaz. I'm actually quite shocked that um, Tony Roberts went to AC Milan of all places. Oh, um, quite highly regarded, obviously, liked by Bruno Large, liked by Lopetegui, liked within the squad. Um, how, how would you rate SARS season last year? Is that his fault? And he also coaches oh, Wales, who can get out of the group stage. And Hennessy had when um, he managed the Chelsea game, remember? And we drew 2 2. Yeah. yeah. And he was on the side. Like, he, I yeah, think he's well liked around the club. Do you think it was weird how he just suddenly left? Like, yeah. In all the pictures, training, something, is something happened there. Do you reckon Lopetegui fell out of him? I don't know. Can you turn down Milan? No, it's a, it's a nice place to go, isn't it? To be honest. Well, exactly. Yeah. Even if you're there for a couple of years, it's a it's an experience, isn't it? So, um, but. The, the new guy, Neil Cutler, looks like he's got good pedigree from Villa. Yeah, from Villa. Um, works with Martinez. Um, mm. He's really come out of his shell the last couple of years. A World Cup winner as well. So um, We shall see. The proof will be in the pudding. Um, we will leave it there, I think. For That was a, was a long slog. I feel like it was a little bit of therapy for us, though, because I feel a lot better. There was a lot to yeah, catch up. It. it was, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to be agreed. Be honest. I know, yeah, I know. I do. I, do, I, I kind of wish Jack was here this week because he's he's the most doom and gloom I've ever seen. Don't, don't you agree? Like Jack's yeah, yeah. quite positive. He is so doom and gloom about walls lately. So if he's on next week, be interesting because I think he's give up. And he he thinks we get. We thinks we're gone. Yeah. He thinks we're we're gone. And so I, I'm most excited about not getting rained on next season. Yes, with move seats, move seats, breaking news. So she's going to watch the game. From a from a point of view where you know which way oh. the ball's going, that would be nice. Um, right, Kate, we'll say goodbye to Harry Mansell. Yeah, good to be back. Thank you, and uh, see you next week. And Dan Bayliss, cheerio. And it is a goodbye from me. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.